Hallelujah. I appreciate the presence of the Lord that's here. I feel his spirit and I'm thankful for that. Amen. Why don't you just take a moment, shake someone's hand that's next to you, greet them, tell them it's good to see them today. Our ushers are going to prepare for the next portion of our service here. Amen. Amen. Once you've greeted someone, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Happy New Year to those I have not seen this year yet or had the chance to say that to. I'm thankful that the Lord brought us through another year. Amen. We're going to do something here collectively that we don't do very often. We're going to observe communion together. Let's do this. Why don't you, uh, let's all stand. And uh, before we proceed, if you will just come and receive one of these items here for yourself, for your family, who all is going to participate, go ahead and come forward. These ushers are here to make sure everyone gets one. You can take that back to your seat with you. Brother Timothy, I'm going to need your help with a few scriptures. Thank you. You can be seated once you've got one. That way we know who has been served. Ushers, make sure you grab one for yourselves as well. Brother Timothy, if you'll put up Luke chapter 22, verse 14. It says, and when he, when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. We see what's happening here is they are getting ready to celebrate the Passover. For those of you that maybe don't think of it in this context very often, Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, he was born after the Exodus. The Exodus was the beginning of the celebration of the Passover, right? When the children of Israel were taken out of Egypt. And there it was commanded them every year to celebrate and commemorate the Passover. So Jesus was simply getting ready to celebrate that with his disciples at this time. And he says, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Verse 16, for I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I'm not going to have another chance. That's what he's saying. This is my last chance to celebrate the Passover 
before it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He's speaking there of his, his death that would come. And he took the cup, it says, and he gave thanks. You don't have to worry about doing this yet. We'll do this together in just a moment. It says, he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This is this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also also the cup after supper, saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. One more passage, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. You know, at one point when Jesus was speaking to um, a larger group, he, he, he threw this out there and it seemed so strange because he said, in the Old Testament, manna came down for your fathers and they ate of that. But he said, a new covenant is coming in which you will partake of my body. And that was news to everyone that heard it. What is this guy talking about? Partaking of his body. And he took one step further and he said, you you will even drink of my blood. And then the disciples started to get a little nervous and anxious. You're losing them, Jesus. This crazy talk about drinking your blood and eating your body. thats uh, If you weren't popular before this, you're certainly not heading that direction talking like this. But Jesus was speaking with this understanding and knowing I was sent here to give my body and to shed my blood. And he was foreshadowing the fact that in doing so, he was making a way for us to participate and to receive, to be made recipients of that, His gift to us. So that's what we're doing today is we're recognizing that. The Scripture says in in 1 Corinthians, as oft as ye do this, do this in remembrance of me. So we're remembering the Lord today. We're remembering His sacrifice. Why don't you stand with me? If you haven't, anyone that needs um, one of these communion items, the ushers still have some here, so make sure everyone's got one. Why don't we pray before we go further? Father, we're thankful for this opportunity, Jesus, to participate with you. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, to have this chance to celebrate and remember the price that you paid, the sacrifice, Lord, that you made for us. We're thankful for that, Father. We're thankful to you, Jesus. You shed your blood for us, God. You gave your body on the cross for us, God. You died in our place, and we are thankful for that. You are my sacrifice, Father. I thank you for it, Jesus. I thank you for it, Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew 26. If you, I'll give you a moment. If you haven't figured this out by now, the cracker is on the top of this. 
and they have two separate seals. So if you can, go ahead and get to that. You thought you were done opening presents for the season, but I saved one last one for you here. So we'll do this together as we read through this scripture. Matthew 26 and verse 26, it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, Take, eat, this is my body. Why don't we partake of his body now? Verse 27, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Why don't we partake of his blood together? Amen. Why don't you close your eyes and pray one more time. Father, we're thankful, Lord, for the significance and the meaning of this. God, you died on the cross to take away the sins of the world. It is your blood that was shed for many, Father. Jesus, we are thankful. We receive it today, Father. We receive it today, Father. We're thankful to you. I'm thankful to you, Jesus. You didn't have to die for me. You chose to die for me. You are the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's who you are. That's what you are. We're thankful to, to you, Father. We're thankful for your sacrifice. We're thankful for your sacrifice, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every eye closed just for a moment. I want you to think about the sacrifice that he made for you. He didn't have to. He chose to give his life for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, ushers. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. We're dismissing our children at this time. I want to say thank you to Sister Elena and Sister Kayla for their hard work, their dedication, and their commitment to ministering to our children. I can just imagine some of the conversations that are about to take place in there. And I'm thankful that 
that they offer their time, their energy for that. Amen. 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 The Lord is good. I'm being quiet, and I'm hoping you're getting nervous. Now, I know what's about to happen, and none of you do, and that's probably what's making you nervous. I'm going to ask somebody to come up and testify, and who I did not give a, a forewarning to, so if you weren't nervous before, this is your chance. I'm going to ask Sister Magda, if she would, to come and just greet you testify and share anything that the Lord has given her. Praise God. I did not know. Um, but thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity. And um, I've been serving Jesus for about, I don't know, uh, 20 years now. And um, I've gone some, through some things. And some of you know the things that I've gone through, which I never thought, never in my life did I ever think that I would go through things that were so painful and hurting. And, and I was like, God, what do I do? Where do I go? And um, one day I was driving around and um, crying because I was just devastated with what had just happened in my family. Devastated, devastated. And driving around and I didn't know, and I was like, who do I talk to? Where do I go? Who can I call? Who can I text? Who, wh wh and I was just driving around in Wapato. And then um, I felt in my spirit I was driving by the church that the Mays family pastored, which is my father-in-law and my husband. I wasn't, I was Catholic. And uh, I was that hard, like, no, you guys are crazy. <laughs> you guys know what you're, what you're talking about. My mom would always tell me, you guys are the vomit that God spewed because you guys are wrong. And, um, but what had happened in my family was so devastating, I never thought it would happen. And I was just driving around. And uh, in my spirit, I had no place to go, nowhere to go. And I drove by my husband and my father, the, the church that the Mays family were pastoring in. While I was driving, it just the wheel just turned. It just turned into the driveway. I didn't even know what I was thinking or feeling or what. I just I remember that I got off the car, I walked in, and they were singing worship. And um, 
and I just kind of like walked in and I just kind of slid because it was a back in the wall there was a back bench and I just walked in the door and I just slid in just sat down my father-in-law was play, playing the, the organ and he saw me he looked up and he saw me and uh, the instant he saw me he just got up walked straight over there grabbed my hand he said come on and um, I, I, I was so devastated. I didn't know where to go. So I go, okay. So we went to the altar because in my pride, I was like, you guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. And, uh, but because I was so hurt, and he brought me up. And that was the day that I gave my life to Jesus. Because that day... He came as I was seeking, trying to find out in the world. I was trying to find out there people that, you know, just my friends. I couldn't find anything. My family, nobody. I couldn't find anybody. And when I was there, I just felt a covering. And I just let it all out. And that was the day that... that it was Jesus. He's my friend. He's my friend. And he was the one. Because nobody else's hands, not my families, not my friends, not acquaintance, but only the hands of Jesus that were able to come into my heart and caress my heart. Caress it and bring a peace over me and I realized that the enemy was just telling me oh you know see what I told you you're 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 no good and see all this happened and and that's what the devil does he tries to you know distract you and he tries to you know make you feel the worst so that you can do something to yourself and that day was the day that Jesus was my everything. Jesus gave me that peace. He healed my heart. My faith just, I, I just, church, God is everything. God is everything. In the situations that you're in, God is everything. And everything that I do from that day forth, I was like, Lord God, any situation that come my way, I look to Jesus. Lord God, help me because I don't know what I'm going to do here. And he's covered me. I've been through so many things. I've been through illnesses, through cancer. And only the hand of God. Only the hand of God has brought me this far. And I'm not turning back. I'm not going to turn back. Because there is nothing out there. Nothing out there. But the love of Jesus. His love is everlasting. He lifts you up. He brings you out of where you think that you're not you can't go on anymore 
and he has just wrapped me in his arms and he's clothed me and he's kept me so if you you know if the devil the enemy is working on your mind he's trying to trying to take you the wrong way you know what we got the power of Jesus say in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I have been freed Lord he has kept me and he has and he's going and I'm not giving up and I just pray I pray that whatever situation you're going through or whatever you're thinking or what's going across your mind just look to Jesus his word says seek seek him seek him seek his face and every little thing that you go through, seek his face. He has done things that I have never thought. I never thought that I'd be singing up here. I didn't know how to sing. But I prayed and I fasted. And so now I'm here. Because all honor and glory goes to Jesus. There's no other name, no other name above, no other name beside it. His name is matchless, matchless, matchless. So I just want to leave you with that. No matter what, seek him, seek his face. I promise you, he will answer and he will come to you and he will give you what you need. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Sister Magda. Amen. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28. I'd like to read from this text. Also, while you're turning there. There may be more uh, coming in this regard. The start of the year is often a time that we set aside time to fast. Um, and I've been waiting on the Lord for what he might have me do, what he might have us as a congregation do. Um January the 16th is a Thursday. If you want to fast that day or more than that day or from now until that day, the Lord bless you for that. That day, I am putting it on my calendar as a day of fasting. And I will encourage you to do the same. You say, you're only going to fast one day. I don't know. I just, I'm going after, off what the Lord told me to do. And I believe he's told me that much. I want to share that with you. And I want to encourage you to do the same. That's January 16th, the Thursday. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, come unto me. 
all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm going to read that again. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All of us that labor, that's pretty much all of us. I mean, there might be a few lucky goats in the room that haven't had to work a day in your life. No, I'm just I'm just picky. Um, this is Jesus talking here. And he says, those of you that are heavy laden. I heard this scripture once and a preacher gave me a, a visual that I think is just perfect for this scripture. Because the term heavy laden or to be laden is a um, it's a. Uh, nautical or, or a boat type of term, a, a boating term. And if you picture in your mind a huge um, ship, very oftentimes those ships will have a big red line painted across kind of the, the bottom, middle part of the bottom. And that line is designed so that you can tell how laden that ship is. If it's got too much load on it, that red line is going to be down under the water and it's going to start entering dangerous territory. Now, if that's sticking way up out of the water, it's still kind of in dangerous territory because there's not enough of a load on it to stabilize it. But that red line is there to be the stabilization line. And you can judge that ship and how well it should do out on the waters based on how big of a load it's carrying. So when Jesus says, all you that are heavy laden, he's, he's saying those of you that have too much of a load on you. If you were the ship, your red line would be underwater. So he's talking to that group of people. Those of you that labor, you're working hard, and you're carrying too big of a load. And he says, I will give you rest. He doesn't say, I'll take that load off of you. He doesn't say, I'll take some of that load off of you. He doesn't say, I'll give you a day off. Those of you that are laboring, Come to me and you can have the day off. No, he says, I will give you rest. That is something that he wants to give to his people. Are you a child of God? Raise your hand. He wants to give his people rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, this is a working term. This is not, Phil, how soft my pillow is. Go lay in my bed and see how comfortable it is. No. Take my yoke upon you. The tool that I use to do my work. And implement is what we're talking about. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn how I work. Learn how I operate. Get in this yoke with me. 
and learn how I do my work. For I am meek and lowly in heart. When you do that, you shall find rest unto your souls, not your bodies. You're going to find rest unto your soul. What Jesus is saying is, was there ever a man that carried more of a weight than Jesus? Uh, not that I know of. He had the weight of the world. That's a figurative term that we use oftentimes. But he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he said, take my yoke upon you. And you're going to find rest Unto your souls. If you start working the way that I work, if you operate that I, the way that I operate, you're not going to be dragging. And, oh, I just, oh, I'm thankful to made it, made it through another day. We oftentimes we will use this. I've I've heard it said several times. I just can't wait to get through. Fill in the blank. Whatever's the next big item circled on your calendar. Many of us, it was, I can't wait to get through Christmas. Or at least the shopping part of it. Some of it, it might have been, I can't wait to get through communion. I don't know. That wasn't me. But, <laughs> but we, we, we have that, that mindset of, I, once this is over, things are just going to get better. I, can't, I just need to make it past Next one, I think, is Valentine's Day. That's the holiday on the calendar. If you go by the calendar, I just need to make it past Valentine's Day now. Boy, you're a lucky one. Your mate's a lucky one. No, oh man, that was a cheap shot. Sorry. (laughs) But if we have that mindset of, I just need to make it past the next hurdle, the next weight, Whatever it is that I need to get through, that is not the mindset that Jesus had. Take my yoke upon you and you'll learn that my burden, it's not a hard one. It's not a heavy one. Verse 30, it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The guy that had the weight of the world on his shoulders stood there and said, my burden is light. How can that be? How can Jesus say, I don't work as hard as any of the rest of you? I don't put myself through torture day in and day out. And just, man, no, you think he had the cushy job? I don't know of anybody back in his day that had a cushy job. Just living doesn't sound too cushy to me in that time. But he's saying, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What he's saying is, I've found a way to operate where it does not feel like hard work. If I apply this to my walk with God and think about that for a second, how easy or hard would I say my walk with God is? Is it easy for me to wake up and think, thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for just blessing me with the breath in my body and the, and the things that I have around me. And I, we'll just, I can't wait to see what today holds. 
because you're such a good God. Man, that sounds like the Disney version of it, doesn't it? Or do I wake up and think, here we go, another one. Next round, you hear that bell ding, and you think, okay, put him up, world. We're going to wrestle some more. If that's my mindset, I have not reached a place in my walk with God that he's describing here as the yoke that he wants to put on me. This should not be a drudgery. I think a lot of times, just the world in general thinks that a relationship with God is a drudgery. It's something, oh, he's going to tell you, you can't do this. He's going to make you stop doing that. He's going to put all these rules on you and and, and expectations on you. And you really want to live under the weight of all that? Where does that where does that mindset come from? It's not it doesn't come from the Lord. He wants to give us rest. Rest unto our souls. Now, I'm not I'm going to try to not get too far off topic with this. But when you talk about your soul, that's a part of you that's not your body, it's not your physical Body, and it's not the spirit that God placed inside of you either. It's a part of you. It's made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are the elements that make up your soul. A man, it says, when God created Adam out of the dirt and he breathed in him, into him, man became a living soul. And with a soul, he got a mind. And with a soul, he got emotions. And he got a will. All of a sudden, Adam woke up and thought, what am I going to do today? I've got a will. I've got some feelings here. What am I going to do about that? That's the living soul portion of this. So when Jesus says, you're going to find rest to that part of you, I can examine those areas of me and think, How far have I come into this rest that he's talking about, that he wants to give to me? My mind. Do I have rest in my mind? I I would tell you, my, my belief is, every year that we are on this earth, it becomes more difficult to have rest in your mind. Because... Even when I was, I was born in 1985. I don't remember that year very clearly. But I can remember some of the late 80s, early 90s, and that that time frame. It was not like 2020. Lord, it is 2020. It was not like 2020. I did not have a smartphone on my nightstand where the entire world is sitting on my nightstand. Access to the entire world, literally, is there. Especially everything that's a part of my world. There. And I'm telling you what, you want to see how much rest you have in your mind? Just turn this thing all the way off. I'm not talking about turn it on silent. Power it off. And see how far you get with rest in your mind. 
That's, that's, a, that's a, I don't know, January 16th. That day is a circle on the calendar. I'm not telling you you got to turn your phone off, but I'm telling you, you're going to find out how far you are in this process. If it, because if, I'm just being honest with you for a little bit, okay? Maybe you don't deal with some of the same, same things that I do. But <laughs> I just have the phone on vibrate in my pocket and sometimes, and I think, oh, I think I just felt something. Well, nope, nothing. Well, I felt it again. Oh, nothing. Oh, what's going on here? In my mind, I'm thinking I must be missing some kind of a signal. You turn the thing all the way off, and then I'm telling you what, your mind starts to think, who's going to call me? And they're going to start to, what happened to Brother Caleb? Uh, did, he, did he die in a car accident? Uh, no, he just turned his phone off for five minutes. Not that you're thinking that, I'm thinking that. Or the most important email that I've ever received in my life is going to come during that five minutes that I have my phone turned off and I'm going to miss it. Somebody's going to text me, offer to, I don't know, I don't know what, I must be thinking that if I turn my phone off, I'm going to miss the text where you offered to buy me dinner that night. It's not happening. But if I turn the phone off, what if I miss it? There's no, you see what I'm talking about? Rest in my mind. I ought to be able, I'm just picking on phones, okay? This applies to every facet of my life. I ought to be able to shut off anything that is not a direct tie to the Lord and not have to sit there and worry about it. Uh, oh, Lord, you want me to say it? That's kind of mean. We're going to say it. I wonder how many of us would have this same mindset if we took our Bible and just threw it in the garbage. I've told you that was mean, and I did not plan to say that. Oh, we're going to think, oh, what am I missing in there? There's a message for me. Oh, Rest in your mind. I told you three elements that make up your soul. Your mind is one. Your will is another one. Do I have rest with my will? Now, some people, I'm just going to leave it that generic. Some people, you look at them and you wonder, how do you make it through the day? I think my wife thinks that about me often. Because, because oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, 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 I came into this room, and what did I come in here for? Oh, I, I went over there, and what did I do? What am I doing here? Where's my will? I mean, I, I'm supposed to be in charge of what I do with myself and my time, right? And then I walk into a room, and I think, who put me here? Who transported me here? No, I got there. But where, there's, where's the will? Uh, what, what, was the, what was the reason, the, my, my plan for it? And even in my own life, the things that I should be able to be in charge of and in control of, you start to wrestle with your own will. You just make, make one decision. Make a decision and stick with it. Not if you don't have rest in your will. 
As soon as you make that decision, you start thinking, but what if? I should have. I could have. Why didn't I? There's no, that, that is not a person that exemplifies rest to me. And then your emotions. Do you have rest in your emotions? Do you, are you able to find a state of rest emotionally? Because that's what he wants to give us. He wants us to reach a place working with him, walking with him, fellowshipping with him, that we can say, I have rest in my soul. I got one other passage for you, then I'll be done. Psalms chapter 127. Psalms 127, verse 1. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Remember in Matthew, he said, Come unto me, all you that labor. I think we could add, all of you that labor in vain. Because that's what Psalms is talking about here. If the Lord's not the one building something, but here I am still working on building it, Scripture says that labor is in vain. It's without purpose. It's empty. That's what vain means. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep... The city. I love this terminology that David used here. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh, but in vain. Because we think it's the watchman's job to keep the city. Take a deep breath. I just had to do it. Whenever I do that, I know something's about to happen that I didn't plan. We think it's the watchman's job to keep the city. David is talking, in this day that David lived, there were literal walls around cities and literal men that stood on top of those walls, and they were called watchmen. And it was their job to keep a lookout. And make sure our city is not about to be invaded. I'm keeping an, an eye out for any danger, for any trouble, for any enemies, foreign or domestic. Oh, that's something else. I'm keeping an eye out. The watchman, and, and it's the watchman's job to stay up there. And they took... Day shifts, night shifts, evening shifts. So when he says the watchman waketh, but in vain, that whoever is on watch that time, that shift, that's when it says he waketh in vain. The, the literal meaning of this is, if the Lord is not protecting that city, 
that watchman is not going to do a hill of beans when he sees a, an enemy approaching. Sure, he might rally some troops. Sure, they might have a battle. But if the Lord is not keeping that city, that watchman is not going to be able to prevent what that enemy is wanting to infiltrate. In my life, if I take it upon myself to be the one guarding myself, my interests as a husband, my wife, as a father, my children, if I take it upon myself and I just say, I am the watchman of my family, I'm the watchman of my home, I better be praying that the Lord is actually keeping that home, keeping that wife, keeping those children. Because if, it's, if he's not, I as the watchman am watching in vain. I'm waking in vain. I'm taking it upon myself in vain. Without purpose. Without. Why don't you pray with me for just a moment? Father... I hear your voice speaking to your people right now. Lord, we just want to hear from you. We desire, Lord, thy word and thy will for us. We want your plan, God, to become our plan. We want your ways to become our ways. Jesus, I believe that you want to give us wisdom. You want to give us help and strength today. Father, you want to give us encouragement, direction. Jesus, you want us to give us your plan. Lord, you want us to take upon ourselves your yoke, your way of doing things. We submit to that right now, Father. We surrender to that right now. Your ways are higher than our ways. I, I realize this is kind of difficult ground to navigate. Uh, I'll talk to the men just for a minute. Ladies, I'm sure you won't listen to anything I say. It, there's a difference between your God-given responsibilities and roles as the leader, as the provider, and as the protection. You have a God-given responsibility and role as leader, provider, and protector. God-given. He expects you. He expects that much of you simply because you are the man. Now, there's a difference in that. And uh, anything that this world would promote as your job... The world will tell you, you better be prepared for this. You better be prepared for this. You better have a plan for this. And you, you, you probably should even start to uh, vocalize that and, and advertise that and make sure that everybody knows you are the man and nothing's going to happen on your watch. Except the Lord keep the city.
the watchman waketh in vain. I, I'm going to use myself again here. I, uh, ladies, you can turn your ears back on because it's going to start to apply to everybody. I am a heavy sleeper, usually. Sometimes not so much, but most often I am. And as soon as we started to have children, I realized I was a much heavier sleeper than my wife. I don't know, it's like she got a third ear or something when the baby was born, and all of a sudden it's, did you hear that? What was that sound? Is she choking? Is she breathing? Check and make sure she's breathing. Check and make sure she's not choking. I'm pretty sure she yawned. I think that was about it. Maybe a deep sigh. I don't know, but... And then we, I started to see, man, there is a massive difference between how I parent and how my wife parents, down to that degree. Now, thank the Lord we, that he gave mothers what he gave mothers, and he gave fathers what he didn't give mothers. <laughs> Responsibility-wise. But... Out of, out of respect for her, I would check and make sure. Yep, she's still breathing. Uh, nope, she's not choking. But what I started to realize is if we are not careful, we can take on cares. We can take on worries. We can take on weights that we are not intended to. Okay, yes, if that baby is choking, we have a plan. We're going to call. We've had to do that. Brother Johnstone, that was back when we lived in the same neighborhood. Callum, who's in there, the 10-year-old, uh, started. He, he just all of a sudden just decided he didn't want to breathe anymore. And he was only, I don't know, maybe a month or so old. And you better have a plan in case your baby decides to stop breathing. Ours was call 911. We did, and they got there, and thankfully he's still in there breathing right now, probably making a mess. But so what, what I'm saying is, there, in any instance, there's only so much that we can do. If the Lord had decided to make that baby stop breathing, there's nothing else I can do to make him start breathing. If the Lord had decided... Keep this sickness, and that's going to stay there until I remove it. There's nothing else I can do about it. But we think we will lose sleep over something that's not our responsibility. That's really all I came here to say today. We will lose sleep over something that is not our responsibility. Except the Lord is keeping that situation. I am losing sleep in vain. Verse 2. Why don't you stand with me? Psalm 
Psalm 127 and 2. It says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth, for so he giveth, for so he giveth, for that he gives his beloved sleep. We're kind of talking on two planes here. We're talking about spiritually having rest in our souls. But I'm also talking very literally today about the state that we will put ourselves in. Worrying and watching over things that are not given to our charge. Now, if you don't believe that you're one of his beloved then you might try to excuse yourself from this. But I'm telling you right now, everybody in this room is his beloved. He loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to give you this wonderful, awesome, powerful thing called sleep. My mom still tells a story of my older brother. He would invite friends over to play when we were children. Then he would go up in his room and take a nap the whole day. And we got kids in the house that don't even belong there. He just, he he liked to sleep. I like to sleep when it's sleeping time. Okay, I... uh, better ask forgiveness. I like to sleep sometimes when it's not sleeping time. I didn't mean to make myself sound great. Sleep is good. You got to sleep when the sleeping is good. You see, the Lord cares about you enough that he's watching Scripture says he's numbered the hairs on our head. That's a literal, literal example of how much he cares about us. You think he wouldn't care if you stopped sleeping well at night? You think he wouldn't care if if you lost rest over something that you should not be worrying about? He cares about that. And he cares enough about that to speak to us about it today. He says, I'm going to address some things. Because you are my beloved and I want to give you rest. And I want to give you sleep. Even with a group this size. I'm sure we would be shocked if we said a poll. How many of us get the recommended number of hours of sleep a night that we are supposed to? I'm not asking you to raise your hands. But now there's a, uh, I'm trying to wrap up. I'm trying to close here. 
There's a difference in what doctors suggest is good for you and what God knows that you need. If he wakes you up at 4 a.m. and you haven't got your full eight, but he woke you up at 4 a.m. I don't know. Who in here is able to wake yourself up once you fall into a deep sleep? I certainly am not. And you're not allowed to use other members of your household as the excuses. But if he wakes you up 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and if he does that to me, the first thing I'm thinking is, how soon do I have to be somewhere and how much more sleep can I get? And then, if at all possible, I'm going to try to find that sleep and I might have to remind him of this scripture. You give your beloved sleep. But if his response was, I just gave you three hours, is that not enough for you? Well, the doctor says, you're going to trust me or you're going to trust the doctors? See, I'm uh, sorry, I got off on a tangent there. We're talking about the people that are sleeping too much. We're thinking we're not getting enough sleep. I believe the Lord wants to give us rest. You know your body grows while you're resting? You know your spirit and your soul can grow while you're resting. Sometimes we get to the point where we can't do anything else. We will work ourselves to death. College students, we will work ourselves to death on a paper that's due. And you're watching the countdown. I got 10 hours to finish this. I got nine hours to finish this. I got eight hours. I don't know where the sleep is supposed to be in here. But we'll, we'll, we'll work ourselves to death over something with no, without thinking about I'm neglecting. He, he's, supposed to, he's supposed to be giving me rest. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. I'm going to be playing with you. We talk about it and I believe it. The Lord can do more than in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. But what he cannot do in a 10 minute altar service is give you a good rest. He can energize you. He can give you the strength that you need for whatever you need. But we put him on a clock and think, I'll give you this much time. Where am I allowing for what he wants to give me? Why don't we pray? You know what? I'm going to open this front. If you would like specifically to receive the rest that the Lord wants to give his children today, I encourage you, come up and receive it. Let's pray.